I'm Tavis Smiley. This is KBLA Talk 1580. Our phone number 1-800-920-1580. 1-800-920-1580. Glad to have you tuned in today to Unapologetically Progressive KBLA Talk 1580. Well, we've got a lot to talk about. We've been talking about a lot today. It turns out today uh, is self-help day, as it were. These conversations are uh, uh, all centered around the notion of self-help. So I just... Uh, quickly titled it self-help day on our program today and hope you uh, enjoyed that last hour this hour promises to be i think just as good uh, as we try to give you some help for yourself today uh in this hour please be joined by internationally renowned keynote speaker best-selling author adam smiley Pozwalski for a conversation centered around finding purpose in your work Building a meaningful career, navigating transitions, and balancing your work and personal life. In case you've just tuned in, you missed a great conversation in the last hour uh, with uh, Andrea and Jonathan Taylor Cummings about their book, The Four Habits of All Successful Relationships, Improving Your Relationships at Work, at Home, and in Life. What an amazing conversation we just had. Uh, Again, in case you missed it, you can go find the book. It's an amazing, amazing book. They got a powerful TEDx talk with millions of views, uh, but the four habits of building uh, successful relationships at home, at work, uh, and in life are, one, be curious, not critical, two, be careful, not crushing, three, ask, don't assume, and four, connect before you correct. What an amazing hour that was about the four habits of successful relationships. Here we come now in this final hour today uh, as we talk about, again, self-help. Uh, with uh, Adam Smiley Pozwalski, who we'll call Smiley for the rest of this hour, uh, talking again about how we find meaning and purpose in the work that we do every day, how we build meaningful careers, how we navigate transitions, how we find balance to the extent that we can in our work and personal lives. Smiley, good to have you on. How are you, sir? I'm well, I'm well. Thanks so much for having me, Tavis. It's great to be here. I like your name. I like your name. <laughs> <laughs> I thought so. It's smiley and Smiley. That's yeah. good stuff. I that's, love it. that's what we'll call it this hour. It's self-help day, and this hour it's Smiley and Smiley. <laughs> uh, and I will yield as often as I can to the other Smiley in this relationship. Uh, but I'm uh, delighted uh, to have you on in this hour. Um, you heard me say a moment ago we were talking about, uh, about relationships. Um, uh, situate, if you can, um, the notion of healthy relationships with finding purpose in the work that we do. I mean, f- very few of us actually work alone. Even if you work in a home alone, you're never working alone. Uh, we're working in connection to somebody somewhere. Um, talk to me if you can, uh, and we'll segue uh, into this hour uh, about the about re- about the, the the value of building healthy, strong, meaningful relationships as a part of finding purpose in our work. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that, that that people are at the heart of doing meaningful work. People are at the heart of living a meaningful life. I have a, a saying I like to say in my talk, stop comparing yourself to others, start caring for others. Mm. And a lot of the science of purpose talks about, look, like you're going to find more purpose, not about competition, not about looking at what other people are doing and feeling jealous, feeling FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. What could I be doing, right? You watch the thread on Instagram, TikTok. Look at what, out, what else is out there, especially for young people, but frankly, for everyone. And you start thinking about how can I show up from a place of service? How can I care for others? How can I support my community, support other people? Whatever that means for you, that's how you find purpose. So I think it does start with healthy relationships from a place of service, a place of support, of looking after the people in your life, the people you care about, 
the impact that you want to have, that's going to lead to more purpose in your work and, frankly, in your life. You've already said something that's uh, worthy of interrogating. It's going to be a great hour, as was last hour, uh, as I promised. Uh, Smiley's going to bring it this hour. Um, that that line, uh, stop comparing and start sharing, uh, resonates with me because it took me a while to learn this. I mean, I, this is years ago in my career. I've been at this 30-plus years now as a, as a broadcaster. But I had to learn earlier in my career as I was trying to build my own brand that I really wasn't competing against other people. Uh, I had to accept that I'm really competing against myself. How is it that I can improve today on whatever I did or did not accomplish yesterday? Uh, I don't I don't study other people. I don't necessarily follow other people. I'm not checking for other people. Um, I, I certainly, you know, love to be empowered by other people. But when it comes to that notion of comparing, uh, that notion of competing, uh, I learned many, many years ago that I am only competing ultimately against myself. How can I improve on whatever gift, whatever skill, whatever talent I have? Everything else is going to take care of itself, but I have to work on me. Talk about that notion of competing essentially against yourself or with yourself and not with others. And because that's not the way that that the world is framed for us. Everything is framed as a competition with others. Exactly. I mean, I think like we're, we're taught, you know, and this, it happens in a society where money comes first in capitalist society. Like the only thing that matters is getting to the next level, right? Making more money, getting the promotion, getting the better job, moving up the corporate ladder. And you talk to people and that's not at all what gives them fulfillment and joy. Some mm-hmm. of the most miserable people have the most money or are the quote unquote most successful. But until you define that for yourself, what does that look like for you? What does success mean? What does fulfillment mean? Right? Cause maybe it means time with your family, <laughs> Maybe it means being, you know, an activist in your community. Maybe it means writing a book. Maybe it means showing up from a place of service. That's fulfillment. That's success. So what you're getting at is that it's not the destination. It's the journey. And if you have a framing like that, you always, there's always work to do. And what a beautiful thing. Like if we were to get to a point where we're like, I'm chilling, (laughs) it's Mm. all good. It's done. Like, what's the point of going on? Like, what's the point of keeping going? Mm. You have to have becoming from a place of growth, of a learning mindset where you can always be doing more and always be serving more. I think that that's a great model for life because it puts it on you and not about like the thing you need to buy, the mm-hmm. thing you need to achieve, which is somebody else's definition of success, not what you're trying to do. Just getting started in this hour of Smiley and Smiley uh, on KBLA Talk 1580. It's a self-help day. Our guest in this hour is Adam Smiley Pozwaski. Uh, and we are going to, as we move through this hour, uh, talk about finding purpose in your work, overcoming fear and uncertainty, navigating career transitions, building a meaningful career, work-life balance, mindfulness and self-care, creativity and innovation, um, social impact and activism. You heard uh, Smiley say a moment ago, it's about love and service uh, as a way uh, to build our own uh, lives, to build our own brands, if you prefer. So those are just some of the some of the things I have on my docket that I, I want to try to navigate through in this hour. We'll see how much of that we get covered. But it's going to be a great hour on this self-help day uh, of uh, Tavis Smiley on KBLA Talk 15. Find a righteous range and don't be afraid to say what you see. For KBLA Talk 1580. Our guest this hour is Adam Smiley Pozwalski. I am Tavis Smiley, and this is Self Help Day on KBLA, uh, at least on our program. And we're trying to uh, help you uh, 
uh, with some information, some some details, some data that might help you uh, make better choices uh, and uh, live better lives, if I can put it that way. Uh, Adam, I know how I became a smiley. How'd you end up with the nickname Smiley? <laughs> well, it's not. Uh, it's a little different than you. You have your last name, but uh, for me, it's a nickname. I've had the nickname over 25 years. Yeah, uh, I got it freshman year of high school. I grew up in uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts. I mm-hmm. went to a big public high school, 2,000 kids. Uh, I wanted to play a sport my freshman year. Uh, you all can't see me because we're on the radio, but I'm a pretty short, <laughs> uh, nerdy Jewish dude. I wasn't going to play football. wasn't going to happen. <laughs> Just not going to happen. Mm. Our soccer team was like the best team in the state, so I wasn't good enough to make soccer. So I went out for cross country, which is one of the only sports left. I didn't know what the sport was. I assumed it was skiing, um, but it's actually just uh, it's just running. You go run three miles, five miles, ten miles, um, and so we're a couple weeks into practice, and it's you know like a fall fall day in New England, and I'm kind of chilling, having a good time, smiling, you know, getting exercise. And my coach is this pretty hard nosed Boston guy, and he starts screaming at me like, "What the hell are you doing, smiling, kid? Stop smiling!" <laughs> Stop puking. Stop puking, kid. You're not supposed to be smiling. And this thick Boston accent. And, um, you know, the team nicknamed me Smiley after that. I was like the slowest kid on the team. But I was kind of our cheerleader. I'd get us pumped up before all the races and all the meets. And uh, I ran cross-country, indoor track, outdoor track. Uh, all 12 seasons of high school became captain. Uh, my senior year, I was still like the slowest kid on the team. But I was kind of our... Um, I was kind of our cheerleader. I, yeah. you know, I had a purpose. I actually think it's an important story because it, I think at the heart, at the end of the day, like that's what really belonging and connection is, mm. is the sense that everyone kind of has a role to play. Mm-hmm. You know, even Smiley, the kid that's like, you know, bringing up the rear at all the meets, mm-hmm. like he matters. He has a role to play. He's our cheerleader. He's our captain, our emotional lift. Mm-hmm. What if we treated people like that in our communities or at work where we said, hey, it doesn't matter your title doesn't matter if you've been with us 10, 15 years. It doesn't matter if you're making more money than everyone else. Uh, if you're new to the team, you matter. You have a role to play. You belong. Uh, and unfortunately, that's just not always how society works. Yeah, that is a great story. Uh, I didn't know what the answer to that question was, how you got the nickname, Smiley, but I'm glad I asked. Uh, I love the story. It's going to take us straight away into uh, the first lesson I want to uh, tap into in this hour, which is finding purpose in our work. Uh, before I do that, though, let me just, let me pivot ever so gently if I can. It, it occurred to me when you said Cambridge that I have had more conversations in my career than I can count. I'm honored to have been doing this for three decades now. Uh, and uh, started when I was a kid, <laughs> but I've been at it now for three decades, believe it or not. Uh, and I've talked to pretty much anybody and everybody. Uh, and certainly I've had any number of conversations with people uh, who hail from Cambridge, Massachusetts, primarily because that's where Harvard uh, uh, is. Uh, and I've, I've been honored to to speak at Harvard any number of times over the course of my career. But I've never talked to somebody who went to high school uh, in Cambridge and I want to just ask a quick question. I'm just curious. I'm a curious person. Um, there are so many. I mean, Boston is like is like is. There's no city in the country like Boston for a number of reasons, uh, not the least of which, as you well know, that uh, on every corner there ain't a liquor store or a wig shop. But on every corner in Boston, there's a college or a university. I mean, all <laughs> over, 
all over the Boston area. I mean, I, I've had these conversations many times in my career with friends of mine about all uh, – I've actually teased friends of mine from Boston. Can you name every college and every university in the greater Boston area? Nobody can because it's just it, – literally everywhere you look, there's a college, there's a university, and here you, are, here you are on our program today having gone to high school in Cambridge. I can only imagine – that must put a lot of pressure on on high school students to to choose to go somewhere because you grow up in an environment around a bunch of really really smart people. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, some people you know call uh, Cambridge the People's Republic of Cambridge. It's good, definitely kind of a progressive mecca. It has a great reputation for being a place like that, um, and it's a pretty diverse place. Uh, people don't know that. I mean, Boston uh, has its problems. Cambridge mm-hmm. is actually pretty diverse. My high school is fifty percent. Um, minority, so mm-hmm. which is pretty uh, unique for a big public high school like in the um, like place like Cambridge. So I think I just grew up around people that were coming from different backgrounds and people that cared about learning. I think that that's something that Cambridge really installed in me. I actually didn't get into Harvard. I applied, but I didn't mm-hmm. get it. Uh, I'm like, I just, I'm like, live, you're five <laughs> blocks away. What, what's going on? But uh, it's all good. Um, but I grew up kind of living, I grew up kind of in Central Square, which is in between, um, MIT and, and, uh, Harvard and people care about books. They care about learning. They care about community there, which I think was important for me as kind of a, this is a value that matters in the world. But at the same time, I'll say this, I feel like Boston's a pretty traditional city and kind of like the career ladder mindset, right? You're Mm -hmm. supposed to be a lawyer, a doctor, a professor. Mm -hmm. And I kind of took an alternative path, I kind of saw, hey, this is kind of what a lot of people are doing. And I maybe want to start my own business. I want to work for myself. I want to do something more creative. And I actually left. (laughs) That's one of the reasons I left. I thought maybe that'd be easier to do uh, in another place. So I moved out to the Bay Area in California, where I felt like there was more of a kind of atmosphere for that kind of work. Yep. No, there, there is a there's a freedom. Uh, there is a freedom that comes with moving to California. I learned that many, many decades ago. And uh, me in Southern California, you in Northern California, but I can see how moving to the Bay Area could uh, could give you a, a sense of freedom uh, and allow you to uh, spread your wings in a way that uh, you might not have been expected to do in a place like Cambridge or, or or Boston. But I'm just I'm just I'm just giggling, thinking about what it would have been like to have grown up. Uh, literally in a house between MIT and Harvard. That's 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 a serious locale uh, when you go up living between MIT and Harvard. Uh, it's uh, it's it's just a, it's, it tickles me to even think about that. I digress on that point, and I thank you for indulging the question. Now to why I really had you on as we continue these conversations today about uh, self help. Uh, and again, I mentioned earlier some of the things I want to cover in this hour. So let me shut up and watch my time and give you the microphone. Let's start um, uh, talking uh, in this hour, Smiley. Uh, about finding purpose in your work. Talk to me. Yeah, I mean, just to pull back and look at the data a little bit, you know, 70% of Americans right now, sometimes some studies show up to 80, 80% of Americans are disengaged at their jobs. 80%. And one-fifth of those people are so disengaged, they're actively undermining their coworkers' work. So wherever they work, they're getting paid by that company, by that organization, to mess things up for that company. Mm which I think for all of those listening that are managers, supervisors, should be a little bit alarming, right? Sometimes there's people on your team that shouldn't be there are actually taking away from other people. But I really think it should be a concern to everyone because it kind of means that millions of people are waking up every day unfulfilled, unhappy, sometimes depressed, 
not showing up fully for themselves, for their colleagues, their coworkers, their families, the world at large. It means they don't have purpose in their work. And I think it's often because we kind of don't understand really what purpose is. And I think at the end of the day, it's just kind of figuring out how you want to show up for others. Right. I think Mm -hmm. a lot of times we talk about passion, right? There's so much in the self-help world about passion. What are you passionate about? What are you good at? What do you love? That stuff's important. Purpose is a little bit more like, how do I connect that to other people? Right. Mm -hmm. What is my unique gift that I can provide to serve others, to care for others, to be in service of other people? And that really informs purpose. It's more about others, not yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. So we're talking about self-help. I think if you really want to get self-help right, it's not about you. It's not about yourself. Mm. It's about everyone else. Yeah. And what are you uniquely good at, capable of, care about, interested in, that involves showing up for other people? Because all of the research around purpose shows that the people that find more purpose in their work, more personal meaning in their work, they connect it to how they're going to show up for other people. There's this beautiful quote from, I think, one of the best books ever written about meaning and purpose in the world called Man's Search for Meaning. I don't know if you read that book by Viktor Frankl. I've not read it. Uh, I know the book. I've not read it, though. Yeah. It's a beautiful book. I highly recommend it to everyone listening. Viktor Frankl was a psychiatrist from Austria who survived the Holocaust. He was living in a Nazi concentration camp. Pretty much everyone around him was being killed, including his own family, including his own mom, uh, including his own wife. And he was talking to people in the concentration camp about what allowed them to go on. Like they were going to you know, be murdered next week in two weeks in a month. Like you're going to die at the concentration camp. Mm. And he writes in this book that being human always points and is directed to something or someone other than oneself, be it a meaning to fulfill or another human being to encounter. The more one forgets himself by giving himself to a cause to serve or another person to love, the more human he is. Right. So it's this idea that meaning and purpose come not from what we've been taught by society, like accumulating wealth and status and power and the LinkedIn bio. Mm. Right. And the business card. Right. And Mm. the the yearbook (laughs) photo or whatever. But no, from giving it away. Yeah. Love, service, from compassion, showing up for other people. And I don't think we get that message. Like no one taught me that in high school. No one taught me that in Mm -hmm. college. Right. I kind of just had to learn that from conversations, from talking to people, from life experience. Yeah, I'm not nearly as erudite um, as as Frankel was, uh, but I I, I I I concur with his with his sentiment. As a matter of fact, on this program the other day, I was just saying to our audience in one of our conversations that my view is, and I believe this every, with every fiber of my being, that none of us ever comes into the fullness of our own humanity unless we can respect and revel in the humanity of the other. You will never, ever Mm -hmm. come into the fullness of your own individual humanity if you cannot, it seems to me, uh, respect and revel in the humanity of the other. Um, Let me ask you a quick question before I move forward here, uh, uh, Smiley, about what you say to people who hear your commentary uh, about purpose. They accept it, they receive it, they agree with it, but then turn and ask you, how do I find my purpose? What do you say? Mm. What, do you, what, do you, what do you tell them? What's, what's the path? What's the equation? What's the, what's the project? Yeah. Great question. I think that that's important. I also just you know, think it's important to note that this is a, it's a privilege to be able to take the time in your life to think about this, right? A lot of people just simply don't have the time, the ability, yeah. 
the financial situation to say, you know, I'm going to spend my my week thinking about my purpose. Like, mm-hmm. what's my purpose? Like, I got to get up and I got to go to work and I got to get paid. Like, that's it. And maybe that is purpose enough. Or taking care of your two kids um, is purpose enough. So I just want to just kind of clarify that. Like, this is a luxury. It is a privilege to sure. be able to take the time to do this. Everyone deserves that privilege. Not everyone has it. Um, but in, I, I, I think a place to start is not kind of, sitting under a tree and meditating. So I, I think we have this image that's like, okay, my purpose is going to come to me. Like I'll just sit here, uh, I'll, I'll close my eyes and an apple's going to fall down from the tree or, you know, whatever. Um, I think you get it from life experience and trying things that you care about. Mm. Right. So I say like a simple place to start is just kind of like, what are you interested in? What are you reading? When you double-click an article, what's the article that you're clicking on, mm. right? When you have a conversation with your best friend at the gym, at the bar, uh, wherever, what is it that you're talking about, right? Yeah. That's purpose. Yeah. <laughs> it's not some, like, other kind of, you know, meditative thing. It's just, like, what is it in your life that you care about that fires you up? Like, what are you posting about on social media that's getting you upset or enraged, Right. When you have the free time, what is it that you like to do? Thinking about that type of thing and who are the people that you're really trying to help? That's the other piece of it. Yeah. So if there's a Venn diagram, I kind of have a Venn diagram that I like to use, which is gifts, impact, community, caring for others. Right. So if you think about gifts, like what are you really good at? What are your skills? What did your teachers always tell you you're good at? What do your parents say you're good at? What did your best friends say you're good at? Impact. What's the impact you're trying to have, whether that's local, uh, in, your, in your town, in your city, uh, in your community, in your country, in global, whatever that looks like, what kind of industry, community, what does community mean to you? It means different things to different people. And what does it look like to show up for other people? If you kind of try to look at that as a Venn diagram and kind of figure out what's in the middle, and there's no perfection. That's the other thing. We're talking about purpose, not, yeah. not per- perfection. Right. There's no perfect job that doesn't exist. That's why it's called a job. Yeah. Right. If it was perfection, it'd be sitting on the beach for vacation. Like that's called a vacation. <laughs> but mm-hmm. Purpose is a little bit more a moving target and it's going to change and, and evolve as you get older, as you have new experiences, as things change in your life, as things change in the world. Yeah. Right. Think about so many how many people's purpose changed um, after 2020 or after the pandemic or when something major happens or something political happens or an election happens like purpose grows it changes it's meant to you're constantly checking in with that so i think it's active it's active it's an active journey nope i'm a witness to that i am a witness to that i'm exhibit a in in that regard when you uh, said a moment ago what are you reading i thought about a friend of mine who i love dearly and every time i talk to him see him talk to me first question he asks is tavis what are you reading and I've, I've taken that to heart, and I ask others that question now, and I meet them, what, what are you reading? When you ask for what they're reading, it says so much about them, and oftentimes you get great book ideas, uh, great reading ideas, but what are you reading is such a powerful, powerful question. We'll continue with this, uh, this edition of Smiley and Smiley when we come forward after news, traffic, and sports on KBLA Talk 15. Smiley, glad to have you uh, uh, join us in this uh, hour for this edition of Smiley and Smiley. Uh, in case you just tuned in, our guest in this hour is Adam Smiley Apolswoski. Uh And so uh, we are referring to this hour as Smiley and Smiley as we continue conversations uh, today uh, that we've uh, sort of dubbed Self-Help Day. It turned out uh, that a number of our guests today were in that vein. And so we just labeled the day Self-Help Day. We've had some great conversations today, hopefully that are helping you. 
with uh, your own personal uh, development. We had Les Brown on back in the month of February, the great motivator. Uh, Les Brown was uh, here uh, every day doing a, a master class. We called it a radio residency. Every day during the month of February, Black History Month, he was uh, here for an hour uh, teaching a master class. Uh, Les Brown was, and he said more than once uh, during that month-long uh, radio residency that uh, that too few Americans actually spend real money on self-help. And I, I can't recall the data point that Les laid out. It was like a dollar thirty-eight cents or something, some crazy number. Um, that the average American spends annually on self-help. Uh, we will we will spend money on anything and everything. We don't choose to spend money on self-help. So today we're giving you a bunch of self-help for free, uh, courtesy of KBLA Talk 1580. And again, glad to have uh, Smiley on uh, in this hour. Uh, before news, traffic, and sports, uh, as you were talking about finding purpose in your work, you made the point that too many fellow citizens in the works in the workplace, uh, Smiley, are are both unhappy and depressed and so i want to ask now as we advance this conversation uh about uh, overcoming fear and uncertainty in our lives yeah it's a great point and i think les is right there too many people just don't take that uh risk and chance because they're scared because they're they're they're, they're like what if it doesn't work out mm-hmm. right and i think a good place to start is like asking like what's the worst that could happen mm-hmm. now well, pretty c- common answer, at least for me, was <laughs> like, well, I'm going to be broke, <laughs> right? That's, <laughs> that's a good answer. Or I'm going to have to go back to the job that I don't like, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if your worst answer is like, I'm going to have to go back to the job that I don't like, like, that's bad, but you already have that job right now, <laughs> right? <laughs> so it can't be that bad. Yeah. You're doing it right now, and that's the worst that could happen, right? So... I think that if you start to ask those kind of questions, the fear resides a little bit. That's interesting about thing about fear. You start to kind of explore it a little and you're like, Oh no, this isn't, this isn't that real. And then the other thing is once you start, once you take that baby step, right? So if you're thinking about a career change, maybe it's buying that book or listening to that podcast or having coffee with someone that's doing that work, or you reach out to someone on LinkedIn and send them a note, reach out to someone on Instagram, send them a DM, Say, hey, how'd you get started? You know, what was the, what was the, what's the lesson that I should learn from you? Do you have an article that you recommend? Do you have a program, a course I should take? That fear starts to reside. Momentum kills the fear. Action kills the fear. Starting, even if it's a baby step, and it has to be a baby step, that starts to make the fear reside. So I think that just, you know, first and foremost, you're not alone if you feel that fear. We all feel that. Even people that are doing meaningful work, feel it on a regular basis, right? When I go on stage, like I get a little bit scared. I'm sure, you know, you're used to going on the air, but like, there's a little bit of like, all right, like, is today not going to go well? Like, <laughs> you know, when LeBron goes on the court, like there's a little bit of fear, but he knows his game. And the second you start playing it, you know, it resides. So I think just like knowing that even the best, the great have fear that, you know, like they're not immune from that. That's part of being human, but doing the work, putting yourself out there, being in the arena, the fear starts to reside. It starts to go back to the background. It's always there, but it's not front and center. It's not controlling your decisions. When you say, when you say doing the work, that phrase kind of jumped out at me, Smiley, because I have, uh, I have found in, in, in my life's work um, time and time again, uh, running into people who act as if, there is some alternative to doing the work. 
They act as if they believe there's some other option. And I found myself giving this speech over and over and over again. I like to think that the success that I've been blessed to have in my career underscores the fact there ain't no way around this. Uh, And yet we live in a world where everybody's trying to find shortcuts to success. Nobody wants to do the work. Yep. 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 That's, that, that's the truth. There, there's not, there's probably, that's probably one of the most important truths when it comes to all this work, when it comes to self-help, when it comes to putting yourself out there, when it comes to purpose in your mm-hmm. work, purpose in your life, you have to do the work. Um, look, I'm an author. So I've written three books. I'm working on books number four and five. The cool thing about being an author is every time you get to the end of one book, you are at literally zero for the next book. Mm-hmm. You have no words written. The Microsoft Word document, the Google Doc is empty. You haven't done an interview. You haven't done any research. Like you are at zero, which means you're right back to where you started on, which means the work continues. Mm. Even if you have an incredibly successful book, even if you have, you make a film, even if you plan an event, whatever it is that's your work, you get to the end of that and it keeps going. Like that's why the work is ongoing. It's not a check mark right? It's not something that you can cross off a list. And I love that. I love that about being a creative, about being an entrepreneur, about running my own business, that there's something that kind of says, hey, this is forever. This is ongoing. What did I learn about myself today? What did I learn about myself this week? How do I keep going? It's almost like humbling in a way, Mm -hmm. right? You're kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm in this, like I'm in this for life. It, it makes it more exciting. Yes, yeah. it's scary, but in a way, once you accept that, it kind of gives you a, an interesting perspective to say, "Hey, I'm in this for you know for yeah. the long haul." You think about a musician like making an album. Like the album is different than the last album, right? Like they're 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 back to the drawing board. They're working with a different producer. Like they're in the studio. Like that's that's the work. It doesn't end. And the people that make the best albums constantly look at each work, each project in its own light with its own energy. And that's a beautiful thing. Yep. Um, what say you, uh, your comment now, notwithstanding about your being an author, your example about a musician, I'm a broadcaster. But what about those persons? Um, and again, we've all done this at various points in our lives. What say you about navigating career transitions? Mm, yes. Very important, especially right now. You know, you're seeing the great, uh, a lot of people were talking about in 2022, the great resignation. So many kind of people rethinking the role of work in their lives and what they wanted to do and and work. I think career transitions are a, a fact of life in the new world of work. So there's a data point that 15, uh, 15 to, excuse me, millennials um, will have, you know, and that's some people that are born. Um, I'm a millennial. I'm an elder millennial, mm-hmm. as like we, we like to say people born 1981 to 1997 and Gen Zers, so the people born after 1997 will have 15 to 20 different jobs in their lifetime. That's the average. 15 to That's 20. That's a lot of jobs. 15 to 20, right? Wow. Because of how much uh, technology is changing and the world of work. That's just the average. So there's people going to have 25, 30, even more, and a few people that will have less. But that is just the facts. So you can look at that and just be like, man, that is a lot of time working on your resume. <laughs> like that's, that's horrible. But you could also be like, okay, this is just a fact of the world of work today. And to say, hey, career transitions are going to happen. A lot of people are going to lose their job simply because the company says, hey, that job doesn't exist anymore or technology makes it obsolete or artificial intelligence makes it obsolete. And we can look at that as an opportunity. 
So I think we used to kind of have this mindset for careers as a ladder, yeah. right? They're linear. They move in one direction. You get on when you're like 18, you, maybe you major in something in college or you kind of um, go to a professional school You and then you stay on, you start an entry level and you work your way up. And at some point, like you're 65, you retire, you're done, right? Like that's just not applicable or available to the average young person that's going to have 20 different jobs. They kind of have to always be looking out for what's next. And I think a better metaphor than a ladder would be more like a lily pad, a pond of lily pads spread out in all directions. And if you think about it, the lily pads are all connected, right? Mm -hmm. Those the roots of a lily pad. They're all connected. That's what's meaningful to you. That's what your purpose is. That's what you care about. That's the books you're reading, the articles you're reading, what you're fired up about. But the surface might look very different every year or two. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean you should quit your job every two weeks. Like that's a good recipe to be broken unemployed, <laughs> but it does mean that you constantly have to be experimenting, trying new things, having those meetings, doing your research, seeing what else is out there, seeing what you need to learn to stay relevant, right? In this current world that we're living in to stay on top of things, to figure out what's next, to know the trends, you have to be more flexible than you used to be. Yeah. So I think that it's much more about navigating career transitions. They're part of how the world is. And if we approach them from a place of opportunity, of possibility, of change, rather than resistance. That's why I called my first book The Quarter Life Breakthrough, mm -hmm. right? Because everyone talks about the quarter life crisis, right? Or the midlife crisis. Like, it's, all, it's, it's a horrible thing. Like, I'm, I'm 24 and I'm stuck. And I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> well, what if it flipped it and made it a breakthrough, a moment of opportunity, a possibility of change? This is a good thing yeah. that I'm, I'm having this moment of, uh, uh, of reconciling what it is I want, of realizing that this job I got that isn't the right job, right? Or realizing that what my parents wanted for me is different than what I want, or I thought I wanted to be like this person, but I realized I didn't. That's a beautiful thing. So that's, yeah. that's kind of how I think about career transitions. They're going to be a fact of almost everyone's career, how do we approach them from a place uh, of, of abundance and possibility, not out of a place of just challenge and um, you can't do this or this isn't going to happen, right? Or this is yeah. too hard. Uh, when we come forward, we'll con continue our conversation um, with uh, Smiley uh, on this edition of Smiley and Smiley on this self-help day. And I'm going to take a second here to talk to miles my, my board op he's in that generation where you said they're going to have 15 to 20 jobs in their lifetime i got to ask miles what number he's on you're listening to kbla talk 15 all right smiley i did my research uh during uh, uh while we were while we were away there uh let me go to miles i got i have two millennials who work with me one is my board op whose name is miles uh named after the great miles davis the other is my producer named jd uh, and uh, so I was talking to both of them. Uh, all right, Miles, 15 to 20 jobs, uh, Smiley tells us, for your generation. What number are you on now? I am at a whopping seven. You're at number seven of your 20. JD, uh, what number are you on of your 20? I'm on number 16. Six, 16 jobs. You better slow down, man. I, I, it's the no. Caribbean in me, man. I, I, I said you must be. <laughs> you know, we, we're not used to having just one job. We have to have at least three or four to make to be doing that. I was, so. I was going to say, man, you, you remind me of my Jamaican friends. I got, I got 12 jobs, man. I got 12 jobs. Reminds me of that of that skit that they did on Living Color back in the day. You guys are too young to remember Living Color, but they had a great skit about that. So, yeah, so I hear JD's point. It's the Caribbean in him, that, that influence. So he's got 16 jobs already. Miles, what you said? You said seven? So Miles is seven out of twenty. So uh, Smiley, I think I think your data point is uh, is is on point. 
Yeah, I think I'm at nine, maybe ten. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, JD's uh, he's outpacing everybody. Uh, <laughs> Miles is about right where he sort of sort of needs to be. The the sad part about that data point, I was thinking about this, uh, Smiley. I, I love Miles. Miles is a he's my he's my board op, my boy. He he's here for me every day and uh, makes this show sort of come together. And what you basically told me was, I ain't gonna have Miles forever. Miles got. He got to get to job number eight, number nine, and number ten. So I guess I should be on the lookout for another board op at some point. <laughs> no, Miles. Uh, yeah, I mean, but the point being, yes, maybe soon. But the, the point being, that's just a fact. Yeah. And when, when while Miles is there, he's going to do a great job, and this role will prepare him for what's next. And if you really are thinking about your people, and I talk to a lot of companies and organizations, it's about recognizing that. And being like, hey, Miles, what is it that you want to do next while you're here? Let's make you prepare you for that, Mm -hmm. right? Rather than the old school way, which is like loyalty, like you're going to be here forever, right? Like you're never going to work for anyone else. And that's just not realistic for the average young person and frankly hurts them in terms of excelling and succeeding in their career. And I think the best bosses, the best leaders, the best managers see their people, see their dreams, see their hopes and say, okay, what can we do together to make magic so that in two years, three years, six years, you're closer to where you want to be. All right. I got it. I got the memo. I'm going to take miles to lunch this week uh, and ask him, (laughs) ask him, ask him those questions. Uh, When we come forward in our remaining moments with smiley, uh, we will talk about a couple more things right quick here, Uh, how to go about building a meaningful career and how to find some balance. We'll close on those notes. When we come forward on KBLA talk, 1580. Tavis smiley is joined by Adam smiley, Pazwaski. So it's been smiley and smiley for the better part uh, of this hour for the entire hour, I should say. And I want to close on two notes in the, three and a half, four minutes we have left here, uh, Smiley. Um, we were talking about navigating career transitions. What say you then about building meaningful careers? Yeah, for me, there's one word when it comes to this, and I think it might be a little bit of a surprising word, again, because we're talking about self-help, but my word for this is community. Mm. I think if you really want to build uh, a meaningful career, it's about the people you surround yourself with and not doing it alone. So this was really important for me uh, back about 10 years ago. I'm almost 40 years old. Like I said, I'm an elder millennial. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, and I was thinking about making a big career change at the age of 30. I was uh, living in Washington, D.C. at the time, working a job that I kind of on paper hit, checked a lot of boxes. I had a pretty good salary, had benefits. Uh, and I was really feeling nervous about maybe like, hey, I want to be an author. I want to be a speaker. I want to go out and do something on my own, something more creative, be an entrepreneur. And what helped me was I went to this program called Starting Block, the Starting Block Institute for Social Innovation. It brings together a lot of people that are artists, activists, social entrepreneurs, people that are interested in using business for good. And that community allowed me to make the transition because people were standing in my corner. I call them like believers, people that are actually kind of saying, hey, not only do I see your goals, see your dreams, I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm going to stand in your corner. I'm going to say, hey, did you make that email? Did you have that conversation with your boss? Uh, Did you research uh, that job description? Did you apply? Right? Did you write the first page of your book? And that's who I met at at Starting Block. So whenever I uh, talk about building a meaningful career, it's not just you. It's the people you surround yourself with. Right? There's a great line. uh, I'm not sure who it's attributed to, but it's like you are the product of the five people that you spend the most 
time with. Mm-hmm. And that same, same thing is true for your career. Like your career is the product of the five people that you spend the most time with talking about your career. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you actually want to do something or care about something specific, you got to surround yourself with people that are believers, not haters. Yeah. Right. A hater is going to look at your dreams and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. You said that two weeks ago. Like, here's a beer. Mm-hmm. You're never going to do it. Right. Or everyone's writing a book. Everyone's got a podcast. Mm -hmm. Like everyone's a content creator. Like you're never going to do it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you tell that to a believer and they ask you one question. When? Yeah. Yep. Nope. I hear you. When are you going to start? It makes a difference who you're talking to, who you're hanging out with. Uh, No, no question about that. Uh, Here's the exit question. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that I believe, I'm just confessing here, I'm not sure that I believe in work-life balance, and maybe because I ain't found it yet, <laughs> but I do believe But I do believe uh, that there's a legitimate question to be asked and answered about how we, in fact, avoid burnout. And in the 90 seconds I have left, what do you say about that, Smiley? I agree. I think the work-life balance thing, it's like, it's impossible, right? Yeah. Like, that's just, we should just stop using that phrase. Um, you know, I think something better might be like work-life harmony, work-life integration, yes, and, and yes, understanding yes, that, it, yes. that it changes over time. Yes. Uh, there's going to be different seasons, right? Like you might have a season where you are just so focused on your work or your, on your career. you got that deadline or you're mm-hmm. trying to, you know, get something finished or, or you're just, that's a stage in your life where you're at. And there's going to be a season or a year where you're like, hey, like my family comes first, my community comes first, or, you know, you're just having, maybe you, maybe you've had a, uh, something happened and you need to just take some some time off for your health like yeah. whatever that looks like that's okay so i think we should stop judging ourselves sure. uh by impossible standards and more more kind of more about integration and, and what feels right i i received that those are my two t- new terms uh, work-life harmony work-life integration not work-life balance um adam smiley apozwaski uh, mentioned earlier in this conversation uh his one of his earlier books the quarter life breakthrough the breakthrough uh, uh, speaker. Uh, he's written, written a, a few books, but the one he again mentioned earlier was uh, the the quarter life breakthrough. There's a second book, the breakthrough speaker, and uh, the most recent one is called Friendship in the Age of Loneliness: An Optimist Guide to Connection. Again, the most recent text is called Friendship in the Age of Loneliness: An Optimist Guide to Connection. One of his three books, but that one would be the most recent one. Smiley, thank you for this conversation. I've never had a conversation in my life that I could call Smiley and Smiley, but now I've got this. Uh, I can take this off my off my bucket list, uh, Smiley and Smiley hour. Uh, thank you for your time. All the best. You would do it again somewhere down the road, my friend. Sounds good. Thanks so much for having me. My great delight. Uh, time now to make room for the uh, KBLA Midday Money Chain. Up next, the Millionaire's Roundtable with Lynn Richardson, followed by Ahead of the Crypto Curve. With Anaja Roberts. Old money, new money. Either way, we got you covered here on KBLA Talk 1580. Tomorrow is the best of Tavis Smiley on KBLA Talk 1580. Until then, thanks for tuning in. Have a great rest of the day. And as always, 